0: Recorded live. Scuba Obsessed is a weekly podcast. We talk about all things scuba diving from cool new gear, places to dive, and scuba in the news. Scuba Obsessed episode 14 is recorded live November 29th, 2012. Welcome back to Scuba Obsessed. I'm Darren Jilson, and here's a few of the articles we're going to be covering tonight. We have car found in the Erie Canal, divers needed for aquarium, and some more invasive species. But before we get into that, I want to welcome my co-host for this week. We have Jim Schultz. How are you doing today, Jim? I'm doing pretty good, Darren. Thank you. And uh, how was your trip uh, from the East Coast? You made it back fine, hopefully.
1: Uh, I made it back fine and turned around
0: and did a U-turn, and I'm back again. You're already back out there yeah is this work related or no oh okay well, that doesn't sound too good then
1: and relatives that uh, aren't doing too well so I'm here supporting family
0: well you you have our prayers and hopefully everything turns out okay I right, thank you so of the
1: regulars on facebook have uh commented and so I appreciate their uh, their thoughts and prayers
0: so hopefully everything works out and uh did you get a chance to make your trip to the uh sandy uh destruction
1: yes we did we got down to ocean city new jersey and was it was quite a sight the uh down to a very southern point in an area called Corson's Inlet uh between Ocean City and Strathmere uh, there was about well on the point uh where the water comes in and then runs into the bay uh there was quite a few dunes that had built up there and uh, we 've got some photos of my son standing next to uh what was a six foot dune that now looks like a six foot cliff, just totally washed away. The beaches are flat where normally there would be you know four or five six foot rise between the ocean and uh, the high tide mark um, now it 's you know the whole fifty seventy five yards of the beach is flat and uh, at high tide, the waves come all the way up right to the sand dunes. Oh, wow. Know, where they used to be 50 yards out onto the beach. Now there is no beach. It's just gone. So it'll be interesting to see how nature uh, restores that area and, and what the communities do to provide some beach again, because otherwise there won't be any swimming at high tide.
0: No. <laughs> if, I, if I. I should, I should, I
1: should, I should rephrase that everyone will be swimming
0: at high tide. There'll be no beach. <laughs> Everybody in the water, one way or another. Yeah. Well, they, so. they've, got the, they've got the winter to think about what they're going to do. It just makes you wonder, uh, you know, they've lost some of that buffer that they would normally have during the winter. Is uh, The winter storm's going to bring sand up, you know, kind of like what we get in Lake Michigan where the, the sand will start to collect and dune and drift. Yeah. You know, that that could happen, or are they just going to get erosion like they've never had before?
1: It, it will be interesting to see what happens.
0: So, so, Okay, what we'll do is we'll get started in the news. If you're in the chat room, you get lucky. You get to get sneak peeks. And I'm so bad on the notes. I'm hopefully, I'll get... I'm, I've got to be about a month behind on show notes, which is a, is a record for me. I've just gotten caught up, and I've been traveling. In fact, I just got back into town. I think today was my first full day back in the office. So I'm, I, the good thing is I'm getting some frequent flyer miles, so I'm starting to eyeball some dive locations to to use them up at. I figured out I've got enough for one uh, round trip already. Okay. The question will be, what's the mystery destination? Yeah, I don't know yet. Yeah, you know, I I first checked it with Vegas, not just just because uh, that's where Dima was. So I probably did. I for I probably could have gone to Dima. I probably had enough points to get me there and back. So. I've then looked at a few other spots, uh, some Florida locations. Uh, these are all points with Southwest, so you know, I'm kind of limited as to where they can go, but you can get me close. I can drive the rest.
1: Hey, they'll get you into uh, Orlando.
0: Yeah? I was looking at the Keys, because that, that might be one of my next Florida spots. Uh, Jim Clemen and I have been talking about doing the Keys. Uh, the only problem with that one is I think that uh, one or two round-trip tickets isn't going to cut it. I think The family's going to want to come on that one if we go.
1: Well, you know, just... Tell them you, you got on the wrong plane and you didn't end up in Peoria like you thought you were going to.
0: Yeah. <laughs> well, this first article is a uh, car was found in the Erie Canal. The town's called Sweden. Monroe County Sheriff's Department is investigating a car that they found in the Erie Canal. It was underneath the canal bridge in Sweden Thursday morning. And I'm hoping that's a town name that my my knowledge of New York doesn't cover Sweden Emergency crews were called to the scene around 8.30 a.m. and passerby saw the vehicle and called 911. The scuba team was dispatched went in the canal. No one was found in the car, but uh, scuba the team, scuba team did find a safe. Uh, they're not quite sure where it's from yet. They're going to continue to do some investigation. They say the car was stolen out of Rochester in July. What did you say
1: the scuba team found?
0: They found a safe in the car.
1: A safe? Yes. Oh, Interesting. Yeah. So,
0: yeah, well, what I'm wondering is somebody called 911 because they saw the car. And if you look in the photo, I haven't watched the video, but if you look in the photo, you can see there's quite a bit of mud in the wheel. So I'm thinking that the water level changed enough to make it visible. So that car had been there a while. So, but, That's a good point. So scuba divers to the rescue again. And let's see if we can make this next one into a usable article. It was kind of a slow news week, so some stuff I would normally pitch out I I brought in. This one is from the Daily Pioneer. Forest personnel are getting scuba dive training. And let's see this name. The DFO of uh, Rajanagar Mangrove and Wildlife Division has sent as many as 21 personnel to work under the, uh, oh my goodness, Biktar Kanakita National Park. We'll go with that. To learn the skill of scuba diving. So, what country is this from? Let me take a look. I mean, a very, I don't know, English-speaking looking, it's India, it must be India. Experience India. I'm yeah. yeah, I'm going to guess it's India. Uh, they said that they had trained 21 other personnel earlier in the year. I uh, said part of their training was exploring artifacts from a 137-year-old sunken French vessel Fidella, the let's see, uh, Valeda? Spent two hours in the sea studying for sunken vessels' remains. So there they are in, in India getting some tr- scuba dive training for forest personnel. And we go... any,
1: any reason to get wet?
0: Oh, certainly. Heck, if I was in the forestry department, that would be great. Get out and get some scuba diving in. This next one from New Zealand. Mayor pitches in for harbor cleanup. Wellington's mayor uh, got in the water to help make the harbor a little bit cleaner place. Uh, he went scuba diving and the mayor's name is Cecilia Wade Brown C E L I A Wade Brown yep dove into the Tonarki gosh what are, what is it with the names today T A R A N A K I wharf i don't have any any idea what that is retrieve cans plastic bottles plastic bags and old shopping carts uh, they had about 40 volunteers that turned up to help do the cleanup and marine awareness uh, Miss Wade Brown joined several other divers along with a group of others clambering on the rocks beneath the wharf. Kayakers who transported the rubbish from the collectors the stolen to the sorters on the wharf. So that's what we need when we're doing some ecology dives. We need those those people shuffling stuff back and forth.
1: Yeah, get the kayakers out there in the and the boaters. Yep, just make sure they don't beat you on the head with the kayak paddles. Yep.
0: She says it, it was dark and murky, but it was lovely to see all the sea life down there. Uh, said Miss Wade Brown, who has an advanced dive certificate. So, I mean, hats off to her for getting in that mucky water. She, she should come up and and dive here with us. If she ever gets in the in the U.S., she can dive. We got we got some some trash she can help us with. They said they didn't collect as much as last year, but uh, it was still great getting some of the objects out of the water.
1: And they went back and recovered last year's find of a shopping cart. They couldn't get it out last year, but they got it out this year.
0: Excellent. Yeah, sometimes that stuff takes a little bit of in to get itself out.
1: Yeah, a little planning, making sure you have the right tools and the right resources.
0: Yeah. Well, sometimes you get, I, mean, I can imagine a, a cart with silt all pulled up. That could, might take a little bit to move that sand away.
1: Could take a little bit of time.
0: So, excellent. Yeah, we. Uh, do you think any of our mayors would do that?
1: Uh, Small town mayors, sure, I think we could. And councilmans?
0: Yeah, we, we yeah. We need to work on it. Maybe that, that needs to be our objective for this year is get the, a politician to dive with us. I don't know. Do you want a politician as a dive buddy?
1: Uh, Sure, because buddies always get first choice in the gear.
0: <laughs> and then the Grand Canyon, and, I, and I, I had to include this one because of the, the photo of the diver jumping in the water, but uh, they're doing, every so many years they've been trying to rebuild some of the natural beaches Along the Grand Canyon, so what they did is they said uh, they said some of the sandy beaches have reappeared along more than 160 miles or 160 kilometers downstream of the Glen Canyon Dam. They did a massive flood last week, designed to rebuild the habitat along the Colorado rib- River in the Grand Canyon. They said it will be weeks before the scientists have been able to evaluate all the information and determine whether the six days of high flows. Uh, were successful in moving 500,000 metric tons of sediment down the canyon. They said, surely there were new white sandbars in a lot of places, but we have learned from doing this in the past that there is the the devils in the details. This according to Jack Schmidt of the Chief of the U.S. Geological Survey. Test floods in 96, 2004, 2008 had some unintended consequences, such as increasing the population of predatory non-native trout. I wonder how that happened. Would that be that they were in the above the river, in the dammed area, and they got released? You got flushed through? Yeah. Either that, or did they maybe open up the river a little bit differently so they came in? Oh. Uh, it's hard
1: to say. You, you would think maybe if they you know, dumped a lot of sludge down or, or silt down, the fish might have gone upstream a little further looking for... More, but more than likely, they came downstream than went upstream. Yeah,
0: so maybe that's it. They, they, what they said they're hoping to do is build up the, you know, some of the sides to create. They want to create eddies for uh, campers, rafters, and native fish.
1: Five hundred thousand metric tons. That's a lot of
0: sediment. That's more than we got to move off a Max (laughs) wreck. Just a little bit more. Uh, Yeah. They spent the Thanksgiving holiday camped along the river monitoring the flood. Samples helped determine the floodwaters actually moved sediment downstream river along with other tests. They're going to present the results in a stakeholders meeting in January of 2013. Now starts the hard work of figuring out and understanding the nature of the process that went on during the flood and the environmental impact of the flood.
1: Yeah, how, what uh, what damage do they do downstream?
0: So they're hoping to see positive results in the first 60 miles below the dam. Looks like we're seeing positive results downstream as well. Certainly initial indications, are, and they're fairly random, but we're rather excited to get the flow off and we're hopeful that we're going to see some positive results through the system. Yeah, the order called for flows from 31,500 to 45,000 cubic feet, which is 892 to 1,274 cubic meters per second for up to 96 hours in March through April and October through November. Floods during the March through April period were delayed until 2015 to reduce the population of invasive rainbow trout, which spawn in the spring. That's quite a delay, isn't it? We were going to do it this spring, and then you go to 2015. Yeah, it does seem like quite a bit. They said delay to reduce the population of rainbow trout. So are they planning on the trout being gone by then? There's there's something else here that there's not apparent in the article. Then the if you're looking to, for, I'm, I'm assuming this would be a little bit warmer diving than what we're going to expect most of the time in the winter, but the Tennessee Aquarium is in need of more divers. Now, they were featured in Diver Magazine. Uh, the Tennessee Aquarium in Chattanooga is, was featured in the diver Diver Magazine article, Volunteer Power. They explored what it's like to be a scuba diver to support the nonprofit aquarium while enjoying some extra bottom time. Currently, the Tennessee Aquarium is looking for additional scuba divers to begin diving early in 2013. Divers hail from the Tennessee Aquarium Tanks. Uh, They keep them clean, monitor animal health, perform dive shows, and they also have opportunity to hand-feed some of the fish. You must be able to... So here's the qualifications if you're interested. You need to be certified by January 2013. You must be at least 18 years of age. As a certified diver, you must have 25 open-water dives in the last three years, be available one weekday every four weeks, from 8:30 a.m. to 3:30 p.m. you need to attend an orientation meeting, take a written test, which they have a date of the test of Jan- of Thursday January 31st 2013, perform a scuba pool water skills test on Saturday February 23rd 2013. The aquarium has more than 178 volunteer divers who have contributed more than 189,000 hours since opening in 1992. That would be cool. I know that
1: yeah think there'd be a lot of people who would want to do that and, you know, would feel that, oh, I'd never get a chance, there's too many people involved, but here's an opportunity to really get
0: in and do something neat like that. Yeah, and and even if they don't choose you, you at least get them aware, and there's probably other volunteering things you can do. I've, I've noticed over the years that when it comes to volunteering, even if you don't get your first choice, get involved with the organization and eventually a spot will open up and it will go to somebody who's already been donating time. They appreciate people who donate time and help them out. And if you're not in a Tennessee area, if you're in an area where there's a large community aquarium, uh, they use these divers. I know in Chicago we have Sheds Aquarium. They have a very similar program. Uh, Rich Sinwick from Divers Sync, uh, him and his wife go to one of the, the aquariums. I can't remember which one it is, but um, they, they do their, at least they used to. I don't know if they're still doing it, uh, is strips down, so there and the different ones have different qualifications. Some will have some gear requirements. Uh, some some aquariums make you buy gear uh, specifically for the aquarium that stays there. They don't want you introducing stuff to the tank that's not there. Uh, some will provide it. So uh, something to check in. There was some talk at one point in time that uh, Benton Harbor was going to do an aquarium. Hmm, that's interesting. Yeah, uh, it was. Uh, they were trying to get some funding. I'm I'm guessing since I don't see an aquarium in Benton Harbor, it never came through. But I was surprised it was going to be something unique too, so my guess is somebody was writing up a grant proposal and it probably didn't get funded. And if you don't so much like being in the tanks but you want to volunteer, they're also a group looking for volunteers to clean up weeds in the spring. A weed fighting dive team at Lake Atasha is seeking volunteers to help clean up. Uh, it's part of an ongoing efforts to combat invasive species. The Lake Atash at at at, at, A-T-T-I-T-A-S-H. at, at, at a t t i t a s h I don't know. I, I, I think I just need another drink and then I won't have to worry about it. They're looking for volunteer scuba divers to clean out its lake next spring. Um, they've been fighting invasive species such as milfoil and curly pondweed for a number of years. Uh, The situation reached a point where the weeds are slowly choking the lake. Following a year-long preparation process, uh, the Lake Association conducted an aggressive herbicide treatment in April. The association said the treatment appeared to have eradicated all the visible milfoil in the lake, but cautioned that small patches will likely reappear in the coming years. In anticipation of that, next spring scuba cleanup initiative will serve as a follow-up, and association officials hope divers will be able to eliminate the weeds once and for all. Divers who are in interest in participation would attend a brief session so they could act within a few days if invading milf- milfoil weeds have been detected. If they called in the action, they would work with a crew of diver-assisted suction harvesting boat, or DASH. A DASH boat is essentially a high-powered vacuum cleaner that can suck plant matter, muck, and other degree out of the water. It might include a long tube that divers can take underwater, manually remove the underwater material. That's their my point. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I could see some other uses for a dash. Well,
0: that, well, that's what I was wondering. I mean, if you joined the team, could you
1: borrow the dash boat? I'm sure we could. The question is, would they wonder where it went?
0: Uh, we're looking for weeds. We just think yeah. our weeds might be six, seven feet underneath the sand.
1: I, I think we need to explore alternative uses for the dash boat.
0: Yeah. Let's see, what would that cost, to trailer, that? So we'll see if this is... Uh,
1: Newport News or Newburyport News.
0: Tell me this is in the U.S., not in the U.K. somewhere. I'm thinking it's in the U.S. The, the photo down below, they're playing some American-looking football. Let's see here, find out where they're at. They're in Newbury, Massachusetts. Newbury, Mass. Did you, did you fly out or you got your truck with you? You might be able to just bring it back. I think we should,
1: uh, you know, you just find out what they've got or how their setup is, what they're using, how much they've got invested in the equipment, et cetera. You know, we, we could might like, be able to find something that works a little better than our uh, our system. Not that our system doesn't work well, or it does work pretty well. It's just we need something a little bigger and a little more powerful.
0: I'm, I'm doing a search now on dashboats, seeing what that can come. I'm not sure if this is a real boat. I'm not finding anything. Yeah, well,
1: maybe we need to contact, probably need to contact the, uh, somebody from this article and get more information. Give it a follow-up. Dave, we got an assignment for you. Yeah. Maybe we need to do some follow-up.
0: Well, I just sent you a link.
1: Where's Dave when we need him?
0: Sent me a link.
1: Oh, know let okay. see. Okay.
0: So this one is Metro West. This is a uh, craft known as a diver assisted suction harvester. God, ah, a cool name. It's a collaboration between the Department of Conservation and Recreation, the Nantucket Conservation Commission, and the citizen group called the Lake. Ch- oh, goodness. Chakatuit Watershed Council? You keep coming up with a good names tonight. Uh, it's like every single one. What happened to the Bobs and. Ken's and stuff. Those would be easy. So it looks like it's something in that part that they've got for the state. Part of it's trying to figure out how and how long it takes to clear an area and how much it will cost.
1: Yeah, at least we've got some contacts here. We can follow up and... So, yeah,
0: 20, you know, 20,
1: we want to give you dashboard a real trial around yeah. a little deeper lake.
0: Yeah, they they did 25000 from the state and 12500 from the... Yeah, It's only $37,000, dollars
1: Looking at the equipment sitting on the uh, the boat, the pontoon boat, it does look like a basic siphon device.
0: Is this something maybe uh, where uh, we need to...
1: Yeah. Well, we could check it out and see. Yeah.
0: Yeah, because Cause looking at that, if they spent that much money on that boat there, that has to be for operations and other things, because that's a... I don't even know if i call that a boat. Would you? It went to a video... Yeah, this this looks more like a, and then we'll paste a photo in the chat room. This looks more like a. Okay, I'm not. Ah.
1: Check out, video.
0: Oh, they got video? Hmm.
1: Hmm. That's the only one of its kind. Sorry, Darren, got distracted here. Check out the video. Well, it's a video of. Supposedly, them doing this weed removal. Yeah. So there was a link in there. That was a video of, of both, right? Takes you to a YouTube.
0: Yeah. I'm
1: about halfway through it, so.
0: Oh, that's uh, the the YouTube one.
1: You'll just have to yeah, edit the, this uh, delay out of it. Those of you in the dive in the uh, chat room, here, take this opportunity to go to refill. Oh, oh, of course, certainly, heavily,
0: yeah.
1: Gee, maybe we could do this in the lakes locally. Suck that out in foil and get rid of it for them. And do it for a fee instead of, a, you know, give us part of the money that they're spending on their chemical treatments, and we'll what? we'll just pull the milk foil all up for them. That would be enough. You know, we could get enough money there to fund a big system for Maxwreck.
0: Yeah? Oh, that's true. Oh, yeah. yeah. Well, how about uh, you know some people who, who like to uh, restore their nice sandy beaches on some of these lakes? You could go and uh, do a two-part process, one where you sucked all the muck, which just might happen to have some bottles in it, and then you uh, get some sort of... Uh, I have to do some researching on the permitting for that. That would probably be the tough part, but... You wonder how people would have a fit over us vacuuming yeah. a couple hundred square feet of the bottom of a lake, yet they'll poison all how many hundred thousand acres of a lake.
1: Kind of uh, Dave like in the chat room doing. saying two
0: six-horsepower Venturi pumps running okay. handheld dredges.
1: Three minutes and 28 seconds of uh, looking at them, talking about why I'm, they I'm should ready. do it.
0: I'm ready. This, this winter needs it. to get over with.
1: That was a... Okay. Don't waste your time on that video.
0: So next up, if, if that wasn't enough invasive species for you, off in the east coast, uh, Northeastern University divers are are uh, looking at problems with invasive seaweed. Heterosophina Chipica we'll call it nasty weed, along the coast of New England this summer in the photo provided by Chris Marks. So what they're saying is that invasive species of seaweed is moving up the north It was recently found in the town shore in South Portland. high school students, researchers, are concerned that the plant will dominate native seaweed and other plants. It also might turn into a nuisance for lobstermen, get caught in their traps, and for beachgoers who may notice the strands as it washes up ashore. The first sighting on the shore in Maine of the red Asian seaweed uh, through Northeastern University researchers in Boston is also documented this summer while diving off the coast. In October, students found the seaweed during a marine biology class. They're tasked with finding 11 different species of seaweed at the beach. The students returned to the lab with different sets of seaweed. They gathered and put them under the microscope. They found that one of the species was dramatically different than the native species. Posted their findings to the Gulf of Maine Research Institute uh, that is tasked with finding and locating invasive species in Maine. They said it's the farthest north they've recorded the seaweed. They've also found it in several areas, including Fort Williams Park to... Light State Park and Kettle Cove. They so say they know that it's faster growing and more effective in taking up nutrients and less susceptible to being eaten by animals than that keep seaweed in check. It's an incredibly large thermal tolerance. It can survive from Newfoundland to Florida. Well, if it can survive in that range, how is it invasive? Or they're just saying, okay, here, the, here the, there's my question if I read far enough. The seaweed originally from Japan invaded Europe in the 80s, spreading 800 kilometers along the Norwegian coast. In less than five years, although they don't have enough evidence to show a casual relationship in places where the seaweed has been found, native species have declined. They don't know how long the species has been in New England, but they know it's worked its way up the coast in addition to Maine. It's been found in New York, New Hampshire, Rhode Island, Connecticut. The first sighting of seaweed was by chance. In 2009, a Connecticut biologist walking along the beach spotted the seaweed on the shore. Sooner or later. So, this just seems to be inevitable. At some point or another, it's going to show up. So I like to see them get rid of it, but let's not go crazy. And this one, I believe, is from the UK, Jim, which is a little disappointing because it means it's going to be a little bit tougher for us to get do a dive on it. Plymouth Divers are probing a mystery wreck site off Moostone. They said uh, the wreck dates back hundreds of years. The Boothstone Cannon site, thought to date back to the 18th century, discovered just off the coast in 1968. Uh, the wreck has now been adopted by Plymouth Diving Center, based in Queen Anne's Battery, though the Nautical Archaeological Societies adopt a wreck scheme. The wreck site covers a large area between 5 and 15 meters deep, with cannons nearly 2 meters long. That sounds neat. Scattered along the seabed, alongside anchors and fragments of olive jars which originally stood over a meter tall. The site was discovered by visiting divers and was surveyed and finds noted, but no further work has been done until last year when a non-profit marine institute, ProMare, took up the investigation. As part of its SHIPS, which is Shipwrecks in History and Plymouth Sound program, it carried out a geophysical survey with Plymouth University to map accurate locations of cannon before heading its findings over the Plymouth Dive Center. They said it could be a shipwreck destroyed in a storm in the 1700s with wood eaten away by marine organisms. It could be that the cannons were thrown overboard in bad weather in an attempt to save the ship. They've also speculated uh, that it's it's exciting that we're finding out what really happened over the years. The team will be creating a diver trail with an easy-to-follow map. Very cool. So if anybody listens to the program and has had a chance to dive on it, we'd love to hear about it. So drop us a line at the show at Scuba Obsessed, and uh, we'd love to talk to you. And I think that does it for the news. I really didn't find a whole lot this week. I, I I've been even a little neglectful on the videos, so I've got to get back to that. But there was some diving going on. Mud, yeah, the Mud Club had their annual turkey dive. Uh, we did it at Marmont uh, Marmot uh, boat ramp in Niles, Michigan, in the St. Joe River. Um, that was the Saturday after this last Thanksgiving. So had some good turnout. Probably five or six divers in the water. Now, I, ha- I hate to say it, I did not go in. I didn't have all my gear ready. Uh, I had uh, some fins I was waiting on. They didn't show up. I know I could have borrowed some, but I just didn't want to mess around with the whole stuff. I was looking forward to having my own, So, which have since arrived, my nice new shiny fins. I picked up some Hollis F1s. So they're not a sponsor, even though if they want to be, they could. They could send me a check. But uh, they're not a sponsor of the program. But I had actually tried those on. Uh, it was, I think, Ken had a, a set that I borrowed.
1: I heard Mac got in the water with a dry suit.
0: Yes, Mac. Now, we know that we we not sure if his wife listens to the program, and I'm going to bet that she doesn't. So he didn't officially dive, but he did have a dry suit. He had a scuba Pro drive suit, who's also not a sponsor, but they could send us a check. Uh scuba pro dry suit that he was wearing and he was doing a checkout dive. So his wife wouldn't allow him to dive, but he she, he said he wanted to go down and make sure the suit would fit properly. So he was just going for wading. So he didn't take his fins, but he, he did get all weighted down and he did uh get in the water and he did say he was warm. He's he's still got some work to do on his uh fin his fins are too small. Which I think is why he he agreed to not take his fins with him.
1: Well, yeah, we were talking about that. I suggested he get a set of White's boots and uh, use
0: those. You said White's boots? Yeah. Okay.
1: Like the ones I use?
0: Yeah, I, I, I don't remember what what, what ones they're, they're not a sponsor either, but they could
1: be if they wanted
0: to. Yeah, yeah, we'll take we'll take money from White's.
1: Um, also take dive gear from
0: companies if they want
1: us to try it out. Yeah, we'll, Do we'll they, try. Well,
0: and that's honest. it. If if you're a dive manufacturer, no one, and you want us to try it out, we'll try it out. Now, the one thing, and it's probably why we'll never get anybody to dive, to dry, to send us stuff, but they're going to get an honest opinion. So, well, if,
1: let's, let's, can we compromise a little bit, Darren? Let's just say we won't say anything bad about it online or on the podcast. But if we don't say anything good about it. <laughs> Violence is golden. How's that?
0: <laughs> I might a, be able to go you with know, that.
1: It's not like they got a chance for a bad review. They're not going to get a bad review. They just won't get a good
0: review. <laughs> we, could, we could work something out. Let's say that. We'll work something out. So.
1: But, you know, that way you're not compromising your standards. You're just filtering what you say, yeah. which I'm trying to do a little more of myself. <laughs> that,
0: that, that brain-to-mouth filter?
1: Yeah, trying to engage it a little
0: more. Oh, I I I think I engage it too much. I mean, if I ever turned that filter off, oh my gosh, the world wouldn't know what happened. That's a problem with being in the political world, or not political corporate
1: world. Oh well, let's not talk about work because I don't use it at work.
0: Oh, you don't use the brain filter at work?
1: Hell no! <laughs> oh gosh.
0: I would be unemployed if I didn't.
1: Well, see, I've that's how I avoid. That's how I manage not being invited to so many meetings. Suppose <laughs> they know if they want an honest opinion, just put me in the room. Oh
0: God! Oh, I, they... I I'd say they get honest opinion, but I think I invented the corporate quadruple speak. No, I, I, I I can I can tell somebody that they're a slimy bastard, and they don't even know it. No, see, I they I, might need a thesaurus when they get done.
1: Mm,
0: no, I'm I'm just too blunt. Yeah, yeah. I, I had a a little side topic. I, I had an interesting scare today about. About one i I'm in my office after, you know, doing my, my rituals of meetings and emails, and a meeting announcement comes, and it's a corporate announcement email. Meet in the uh, XYZ meeting room at 3.30. I'm like, oh. So the first thing you do whenever you get one of those at work is you have to go and check and see who's on the invite list. Right. So you look, and you're like, yeah, okay. So And, and who's not on the invite list. Well, there wasn't anybody glaringly missing, so uh, as the management team for the plant, all of us appropriate managers and leaders were were invited. Uh, So then I thought, hmm, Uh, it's because I I technically don't report to anybody in Michigan. I report to people in Missouri. Let me see what's on my boss's calendar, (laughs) which I've got access to. So I pop open his calendar, and, huh, he's got a similar meeting synchronizing with my meeting, but with different people. So that, yeah, so that tells me it's a organizational wide meeting. So, you know, and and as a skilled and experienced risk manager for the company, your first thing is what are the most disastrous opportunities that can happen? So you go through those situations and you start marking those off. And then I had had meetings earlier in the week. I've been flying. I was just in one of the home office locations and had met with the the owner and president and COO and everything. And none of them, you know, because I, I, I'm a pretty good, when I've been through massive layoffs and stuff, you you can see that look on people's face when they're dealing with something. You know, it's like you have a meeting with them, they get in, they get out, you know, they don't stay, no small talk, they're gone. And I didn't get that feeling. So needless to say, the meeting wasn't bad. It was actually pretty good. It was just an announcement that we had bought another company, So, which could mean a lot more traveling. I don't know. Bought yeah. another company. Yeah. Oh, that. that yeah, we a
1: hell of a lot better than being bought by another company.
0: Been there, done that. Got the card for it. <laughs> that was that was two years ago. I was on the the the, the being bought end. You know, you, you like to think. Uh, uh, for the record, you can be a sixty-year-old company and be bought, and we were. <laughs> mm. And when you're the buyee, uh, I mean, the, the company was great in how they handled it, but there's still a heck of a lot of stress in it. And there is a lot of people who are no longer there that were there before. So, but in this case, we bought somebody else. We're going to run them as a standalone company, at least for the first three to six months. So, and it, it's a good match. So, everything I look at, it, it's a good news. So, that was one of those scares where you know, I am I'm wondering at the end of the day, am I going to have a job? Mm-hmm. Because you know, even when you are doing good, you don't know if you are doing good. This is an unusual time we're in. You know, there is stuff can happen that can make a big impact so uh, some, in the chat room they're asking if there's a video of Mac in the dry suit and there actually is I've got it on my phone if I don't mess up my phone so when I get through the other four weeks of <laughs> stuff then I'll go ahead and post it but uh, so I do have video proof um, of him in a dry suit so I'm I'm officially jealous it's a neoprene dry suit he likes it so, he said
1: it fits pretty well
0: it, it Not is. a whole
1: lot of uh, empty space
0: no. No, but I think that's just kind of how neoprene dry suits are, though. They're more form-fitting, I think, than a, you know, a tri or... hmm But they seem well, to be happy with it.
1: Out there on Black Friday and this past weekend for some bi-lams and tri and some companies are still offering some
0: specials. Yes. So. Yeah, it's Thursday. There's one company that, you know, maybe by the time you heard it, it's done, but they had some pretty good specials. You know, I, I was tempted by the internet, and I, I did the nice math on it, but... Uh, you got to look at the details of some of these specials. They, yeah. By the time you get everything, I would say, when you get to what I would call a base dry suit, it's not that teaser rate you see when they offer it.
1: No, not when you start adding, you know, cuffs and neck seals and boots and, you know, zippers and valves and yeah. uh, underwear. You know, online is convenient, but before you buy online, Give your local shop a chance to price match or uh, convince you why you should not make that online mistake.
0: Oh, well, I mean, I'm one of those people, I I hate buying clothes just because I don't like the whole trying on thing, but you really have to try on a dry suit. Yeah, if you want to get a good fit, you do. Yeah. And even if you have a place that says they will alter or change it, you still have to get it on for that to happen. So dry suit's one of those things that almost has to be an in-shop type of transaction where you try it on. And, and they've got knowledge. They, they can help you get a dry suit. Even if you've dove one before, it's it's nice to get that. They know what's going on in the industry. And I yeah. think there's also something such as freshness, too. Uh, you know, I know that I'm that way with neoprene. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm not a big fan of stuff that's been sitting in the back room for 12 years. In fact, I would, I'd be quicker to buy used stuff that's being dove than something that's been sitting in a box. It's pretty stretched. Yeah. <laughs> pretty warm, too, in some cases. So...
1: Yeah, you but you own the title on worn wetsuit.
0: Yeah, I'm. I've. I, I didn't do my repair on the the wetsuit the last week. I when I when the when the fins didn't show up, I just kind of said, nah. I'm not gonna mess with it. But
1: maybe I'll right. do one
0: in the the gloves. I'm I'm gonna do a glove repair, so maybe I'll do a video. I got some ideas of doing some videos. So I just have to go and do it. So that might be my Saturday project is doing a video of my glove repairs. And if I do, I, we'll post it somehow somewhere. I can remember how. or after
1: you catch up on four weeks of notes,
0: <laughs> you know the, the scary thing, the bad thing about notes takes me only about an hour to do. It's just when you've got so much other stuff you've been putting off, and I hate to say it's not dive related, but some of the other projects I'm working on is to create more funds <laughs> for dive related stuff. So I think everybody will, sense. everybody will forgive me when that happens. Good move. Yeah. If you can't be diving, at least be prepared to dive. So That's right. That's what I'm doing. Um, so, but then Mac, uh, we did find golf balls. Uh, Bob found a golf ball, I think. Uh, then Mac found a golf ball, and then he had to one-up everybody, and he found the golf club, too. So and he, he was not diving. No. And then Kirk found an object. So if you uh, were following me on Facebook, and it maybe it, may uh, it might have also been on Twitter as well, so if you, if you follow me on Twitter, which is uh, at Darren Jilson on Twitter, uh, usually when we're out diving, I'll, I'll post pictures on And we had one which was a, if you've ever seen an old World War II German hand grenade, that's exactly what this looked like that Kirk found. So it was steel, about, oh, eight, nine inches long with a wide end, and then it milled, milled down into a handle. And in the end of the handle, there was a hole drilled into it. So we're kind of wondering if it was somebody's homemade anchor. If it had been smaller, you might have called it a sash weight. But it was a good, across the diameter, five inches. Wow. Yeah, it was, it was pretty heavy. It was one of those things that in the water, Kirk said the thing was heavy. Hmm. And uh, when we first chipped it off, I thought it was lead because it had kind of that oxide on it. And it kind of had that leadish look to it. But it's steel. We didn't have a magnet to, to test on it, but... It's steel, deal. So somebody's going to clean it up and uh, bring it to show and tell at the next dive club meeting. That'll be good. Which will be in January, since we don't have one in December. Uh, let's see. What else did we have in the dive? So uh, some good... Let's see who else we had. Uh, Bob, Kurt, Mac. Oh, uh, Larry came out and dive, dove. Hadn't seen him in a while doing a dive. He, he had He was underweighted, so he didn't do a long dive. Uh, but they they went upstream for some reason. They they went upstream this time from the boat ramp. I'm trying to see if there's anything else that they found. I think there was a couple objects they said, but we'll have to go back for it and take a look. But uh, but they got a good dive. Visibility was probably well, they said four feet, maybe three four feet. So not terrible. I know other people had uh, uh, in other areas were doing some diving this last weekend and it was worse. And then some people in the quarries. Sound like they're having some real excellent conditions. Uh, I know White Star; they've been getting out and doing diving and had some amazing clear conditions. And then Max talking about, and I got to call him up. Maybe we're getting some diving in this weekend or next weekend. So,
1: yeah, I was looking at the weather conditions, and the Big Lake is talking about Saturday uh, waves less than one foot. Wow! So you know, it's like put the dry suit on at the dock and head out to Max wreck.
0: Yeah, there you go.
1: I have to talk to Bob or anybody with an outboard. All the inboards are put away for the winter, but the outboards are still out there running.
0: Yeah, I, I got a boat with an outboard in the yard. Just, uh, you're missing, you know, the transom you can poke your hole through, your finger through a hole. Mm. So, yeah, it needs a Well, little, is it above
1: the water line or below?
0: If you go quick enough, it's above. No, there you go. <laughs> when you stop, it's below. Oh, well, that doesn't help. <laughs> you just you just never stop. Yeah, no, that boat needs some needs some serious help. It's uh, uh, well, we, we've talked about that in the story before, but it's uh, it saw about four years too much weather without anything on it. So we're going to gut that down to the frame, and that's going to be one of our projects. Uh, if I can find a place in the winter to get in to some shelter, i have even tempted to take my uh, patio doors out here in the basement and bring it in, but uh, I probably won't. I got other stuff you know, to just basement. you know chase the horses out of the barn for a while. Yeah, I was pitching that to my wife, but the, the the reconfigure the barn to get it to where I could fit the boat in, yeah, it would be easier just to build a new garage. Mm. Which goes back to that money thing, which goes back to the other projects. So, mm. God, it always nope. goes back to money somehow. But yeah, Mac's talking about getting some dives in, so hopefully we'll get some planned for this weekend. I'm looking forward. I'm itchy. I need to get in the water. Uh,
1: I, hope, and I hope you guys enjoy.
0: Yeah, and then my, my wing, which I... I'm buying from Bob, but Bob will only sell me the back plate. He won't sell me the actual wing. So now that i got my new fins and have to try them out, uh, I'm need to. i going to try and sneak in a quick dive and then give Bob his wing back. So it's like I'm just, it's one more thing, another thing i got to buy. And then not to mention put that on top of a dry suit. So, uh, oh, well. Endless. You
1: just need to hit the lottery.
0: Yeah, they had an opportunity here. Of course, I, I had zero chance of doing it because I don't, I don't play the lottery. <laughs> Oh no! I just can't break myself to go and give the money. You're just to kind of give you an everybody an idea, of the odds. you know, when people think as an individual they have a chance to win, there are states that have won very little, and then there are like there was one shop they had on the news here in town, and they were they were talking about the owner, and the owner had only had one person in the like fifteen years he'd been selling Powerball win, and it was eight hundred thousand dollars. So you think of how many. Tens of thousands of tickets that go through that place every month, and the only in fifteen years have one winner. I mean, it's just the the odds are so unbelievable. But you, I guess, you're not really buying the winning; it's the ability to dream about what you would do if you won. And I, I don't have any problem figuring out what I would do with the money. My problem would be what I do when the money runs out, because I could go through it quicker. I always tell everybody, if it's less than $100 million, you know you need to play, because that wouldn't even cover me for a summer. <laughs> I
1: would, uh, uh, spend it all on wine, women, and song, and then waste the
0: rest. <laughs> certainly, certainly. Oh, so, let's see, what else do we have here? Uh, the dive show season's coming up here, so look for that after the holidays. Uh, you got anything to plug, Jim?
1: No. Just remember your local dive shops uh, between now and Christmas. Yep. There's always something that you can ask for or put in a stocking stuff or request for.
0: Yep. You you can give the gift of diving. Build your own dive buddy.
1: That's right.
0: Or they, somebody could buy, here's, here's a gift idea, they could buy a membership to the Southwest Michigan Underwater Preserve.
1: They certainly could. Uh, we just got to get our cards ready and get things going. We're, we're going to plug that hard come springtime.
0: Good. We'll have to do that.
1: Because members get to dive Max if they want. Right now, the only people who get out to Max are members of the preserve and members of the mud club who found it. So if you want to dive Max Rec next year, you've got to get your membership in the Southwest Michigan Underwater Preserve.
0: So we'll have to do that. We'll get that, we'll get that plugged in a way. So, anybody in the chat room have anything before we get going? They're talking about call, clubs and balls and everything. So, oh. aren't, you, aren't you proud of me? I I haven't
1: commented once on any of that stuff.
0: Yeah, yeah. You I'm just
1: trying to get my my you know brain filter going a little bit?
0: Yeah. Well, yeah. I I think we might single handedly ruin that brain filter with a bad scuba joke. No, uh, I think there's potential. Really? Yeah, could be. All right. Well. Bring it on. Yep. So before we do that, we'd like to remind everybody and go and uh, like us on our Facebook page. Go to www.facebook.com forward slash obsessed, and that's our Facebook page. You can also visit us, visit us on our website at com. And I was talking with uh, Rich Sinowick, a good friend of mine who also does the DiverSync podcast and owns Divers Incorporated and runs concession for White Star Quarry, and we were comparing show notes and his podcast, my podcast, and the one thing that we'd like to point out is that we have no idea how many people even listen to the show.
1: That's a good point. We we need to sometime get a a survey or something done where I heard it.
0: Yeah. So, yeah, stand up and be counted. So some ways that give us an indication that people are actually listening and care about the show is if you go to the Facebook page and you do the like uh, leave a comment and, and then if you even if you are already a follower and you see something we post something go ahead and do a thumbs up or or on it or a comment or even if you don't like it let us know that way we know that there's people still listening and we know that it's worth the effort to go and and do the program uh, you know share it with a friend if you got a friend who's diving to see if they've listened to the program either one both of them I'll explain to them what a podcast is also if you have any ideas of what you would like to do with the show any feedback we're not a newspaper, so you can't use us under the parrot's cage, but, uh, you know, go ahead and drop us a line. You can drop us a line at the show at scubaobsessed.com. Always looking for feedback. Uh, Also, we've got that if you go to the scubaobsessed.com website. You go to About, you go to Obsessed Fans, that link in there, and you can put a pin on the map. You know, we know those are actually listeners, so we've got some on there. It gives us an idea how many people are listening to the show, but iTunes doesn't give us any good stats and and I've talked about this before, where you kind of wonder how many people listen. You don't think there are many, but then I'll mention somebody's name or we'll read an article, and then I'll get two or three emails that following week of people who said I was either in the article or something. So the world's a small place, but it's not that small, so we have to have some some listeners out there. So I'm also going to do some little revamping of the show at uh, the beginning of the year. Uh, do so,
1: so this is show 140. Yes. Hard to believe. 140. 150 is coming up. We've got how many weeks left? Five. So 150 is pretty a milestone. That will be coming early next year. Yep.
0: Only 10 more.
1: So, so where would you like to see the posts? Do you want them on Facebook?
0: You know, really anywhere. We, we get to them. You know, the Twitter ones I'll eventually get to. Those sometimes are sometimes the ones that I might miss if I'm going to miss any. Uh, but Facebook is a good one. Uh, you know, anywhere, drop us a line. However you got. However you want to engage. Anything you want to see. Uh, but i've got i do have some ideas of stuff i are going to do i i tend not to to tell what we're going to do because if i do it then i see uh i mean i guess imitation is a form of flattery but uh it seems like i come up with an idea and i'll see it in four other places and and uh you know i don't mind my my friends borrowing it's a to, to people who i don't really see contributing but it's open source so i'll just bitch about it if somebody takes it oh, you know you can bitch about it but that's fine it's free game you know, that's, i think that's how we all get better is just by borrowing Ideas from others, so no big deal. But I would like to at least have a have it unique <laughs> for a couple weeks before other people borrow, borrow the idea. So let's see. I think I think that does a, about enough of the house housekeeping.
1: In other words, you stalled long enough, and it's time for
0: the bad scuba joke of the week. Okay. All right, I'm prepared. Okay. So here we go. One morning, a scuba diver was out on an early morning dive. Uh, He didn't have his catch bag with him. So as he was finding his required golf balls, he was dropping them into his wetsuit. When he got out of the water, a jogger walked by and asked him how the dive went. The girl standing next to him said she couldn't help but notice that he had a large bulge in his dive suit. And she said, what is that? Uh, He said, those are golf balls. And she says, oh my gosh, they must be very painful. I had tennis elbow once. Is that bad enough <laughs> i think so is it over <laughs> given that so some sometimes they qualify more than others yeah it certainly
1: qualified as a bad scuba joke
0: so until next week go out there and get wet
1: stay safe and remember no golf balls were harmed in the making of tonight's show
0: Recording has been completed.
1: You got scuba obsessed on Facebook? Yeah. S c u b a o b. Yeah, for some reason, Facebook's not bringing it up for me. There we go. That keeps doing web result. People. Scuba obsessed. Search.